This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, April 10th, 2023. Good afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us for the Monday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson, filling in for Rob Hart. An animated film inspired by a video game racked up big real-world numbers at the weekend box office. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the coming days include the latest report on inflation, released minutes from the most recent meeting of the Fed, and numbers from America's big banks. We're joined by Tom Hudson, a week ahead columnist at McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami, Florida. And uh, Tom, I've got my calendar at the ready because I'm going to keep track of all of this that's coming up this week. Yeah, you, the Federal Reserve, bond traders, option traders, stock investors all really watching, certainly the inflation numbers. But I think uh, kind of what's going to grab the attention is the big banks beginning to report first quarter earnings on Friday. Big systemically important banks, another phrase that we've had to uh, dust the uh, uh, dust off uh, because of the uh, failures of uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank in uh, recent weeks. So those banks would be JP Morgan, Citigroup, followed by Goldman yep. Sachs, Morgan Stanley, all of this. Uh, and again, a busy week ahead because we also have the CPI coming out on Wednesday, the PPI on Thursday, all of that going to weigh on if or when the Fed plans to end its rate hiking campaign. Yeah, absolutely right. And and the inflation number is likely to show some moderation, continued moderation, cooler but not cool inflation. So disinflation, in other words, still high inflation, but it is slowly cooling off, which is good news for uh, uh, certainly consumers and companies and good news for the Federal Reserve. But I think it's not going to be enough to cool the talk of a likely uh, rate hike some uh, at the next in, uh, Federal Reserve meeting in May. Still, the jobs numbers, as you just heard in the Bloomberg report from Friday, decent, slowing down, but decent. But inflation still remains uncomfortably high uh, in the United States here. Well, and depending on where exactly you're looking for data, you're going to get a different picture of where the economy is at. I know that the March jobs report sort of showing a resilient economy. Uh, Maybe the CPI paints a different picture than inflation, as you mentioned, is not quite as rampant. It's slowing down, but still high. So again, just a lot of uncertainty. And that seems to be sort of the narrative as we head into this week. Uh, Will the bank earnings weigh on that and and perhaps provide a little bit of assurance? Uh, no. Okay, great. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I think it'll, it'll add to the lack of visibility here. Um, uh, Some of the big questions for these big systemically important banks are going to be credit conditions. Are the banks uh, still have an appetite to lend in the market? And what kind of credit conditions are they demanding 
of borrowers, given the contraction and the fear that gripped the credit markets with the failure of Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, and then the concerns are on First Republic. These big banks um, have, have benefited from these deposit depositors moving money over. So what are these big banks then doing with these new deposits? Are they finding creditworthy loans? And what kind of expectations do they see in their balance sheets come the second quarter? That's where that, that lack of visibility is likely to continue. Thanks so much. Tom Hudson, a week ahead columnist at McClatchy Tribune News News Services based in Miami, Florida. Coming up, an expected Hollywood hit. It delivers at the box office. It's 60 minutes of financial planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It was no contest at the box office over the weekend, so let's discuss the domination of the Super Mario Brothers movie with Paul DeGarabedian, senior media analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore based in L.A. And Paul, uh, I'm a big fan of the Mario franchise. I haven't seen the film, but I'm guessing it lived up to all that hype. Uh, it went beyond. I don't even know where to start, Rachel. This movie obliterated expectations million worldwide in its first five days. That's amazing. That's the biggest opening weekend of 2023, the second biggest opening weekend of all time for an animated film, the biggest Illumination Entertainment opening of all time, and the biggest video game adaptation opening of all time. This was just a knockout performance by a movie that's a crowd pleaser, And I think it's got an open runway until Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 about three weeks from now. Pretty amazing. You mentioned a couple of interesting qualifiers that I want to circle back to, and that is the success of an animated film. We know that, you know, post-pandemic, you you know, even pre-pandemic, family movies, largely animation, have sort of struggled when it comes to ticket sales. They had, and I think this opens the door for studios being really open now to realizing through this performance of this movie, that kids and families, they want to go to the theater. You just got to give them something to go for, especially with so many options available at home. Now, Puss in Boots is a movie that's been out there for weeks, has was sort of overshadowed by Avatar because they opened about a week apart. But Puss in Boots, also from Universal, a great example of a family film that works, that gets people out of the house. Remember, it's a bigger lift to get the family together and go to a movie theater than to walk to the couch, right? So this is just, it was a happening. I went to a theater over the weekend and it it was just bustling with kids running around so excited. Their parents also excited to be there because of the nostalgia factor. So this movie just fired on all cylinders. It's, you know, it leveled up, as they say, to even bigger numbers than everyone thought. So this is great for Hollywood, especially heading towards the biggest season of the year, the summer movie season, which starts the first Friday in May this year with Guardians 3. Now, you mentioned, too, uh, that, that this is a video game that has now become a, a big big screen film. And, and you also sort of touched on what I wanted to bring up, and that is that it's not just kids and families that are going to see this movie. It's grown adults who grew up with Game Boys and know very yeah. well the, the, the plot of this film and just want to relive that, that nostalgia, as you mentioned. I, I, I think that's a big part of it, Rachel, and the fact that a lot of people for whom Mario may have been their first video game experience could have kids now or probably do and are taking them to the theater. And to see that what started out as something on the small screen, you know, on a video game screen is now a phenomenon decades after its inception on the big screen. So it's really come full circle, but universal illumination and Nintendo did a great job with this. 
got a wide open runway until Guardians 3, and it's going to play into the summer. This could be uh, certainly on its way to a billion dollars worldwide. And remember, it's a worldwide phenomenon, too. Mario uh, translates, I think, to every language, and it really uh, showed that to be the case this weekend with that global $376 million five-day result for Super Mario Brothers movie. Thanks so much for joining us, Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore based in L.A. And up next, we'll talk about why using those public phone chargers could be hazardous to your security. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The FBI is warning consumers about so-called juice jacking. It's where criminals use public chargers to infect phones and devices with malware. Let's learn more from Adam Levin, founder of Cyber Scout and host of the podcast What the Hack with Adam Levin. Adam, here I was just at the airport the other day. I thought this was a great service. How neat to have a free charging station for your phones, tablets. But now I'm thinking I have to think twice. Yeah, you do. But the truth is that it's really more theoretical than actual. I mean, you know, when you're dealing with anyone who's a hacker, a scammer, an identity thief, they're creative, they're sophisticated, they're persistent, and they're always looking for a way in. And there have been a number of things like Black Hat uh, and DEF CON where they demonstrated what they call the wall of sheep, where they show how a hacker can infect the, the actual plug. Uh, So when you put in the cord for your device to charge it, there's a teeny little storage uh, device there that has malware in it that could infect the cord and then infect your device. So the safest way to deal with it is just use your AC adapter uh, and plug it into a regular wall outlet. It's not quite as convenient, but it is safer. This is not to say that every single kiosk that you see Uh, could be hiding some kind of malware that's coming after you. But it is possible. It could happen. And in this world, what we found out with chat, GPT, and all the rest is if something is possible, it will become a reality at some point. Right. So, again, the solution would either be to to plug directly into a, a wall outlet, or I also know that they have those personal portable charging, you know, it's like a little brick, right, that you could just charge, recharge at home and then carry with you on the go. Absolutely. You know, just first of all, always have your uh, devices charged. That's because there could be an emergency. You were like in Nashville, you know, our electricity went off three and a half days. So it was good to have stuff charged and have those those personal chargers as well. Uh, But, you know, when you're traveling, obviously you run the risk of running out. Uh, when you're on an airplane, you know, it's very convenient to plug it into the to the USB plug. But uh, where you have an alternative, which is to use a regular plug in an AC outlet, do it. Trust me, you'll be safer and happier. Thanks for the advice, Adam Levin, founder of Cyber Scout. Still ahead, we have a pair of suggestions from our Monday stock picker. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart cart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart. And these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Details emerge about a deadly shooting inside a Louisville bank, the latest just ahead in a special report from CBS News. Adult children living at home need to assert some sort of financial independence before walking down the aisle. Plus, it's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of ideas from a portfolio pro. WBBM Business, it's a mixed bag. The Dow up 55 points, NASDAQ down 34, the S&P 500 down 5 points. AccuWeather says we can expect sunshine the rest of today with a high of 72 degrees. Partly cloudy tonight, low near 50, then sunshine tomorrow, breezy and warmer with a high of 76 degrees. It's 1231. CBS News Special Report. President Biden has tweeted prayers for victims of today's mass shooting in Louisville and questioned when Republicans in Congress will act to protect our communities. At least four people were killed at a bank in downtown Louisville. And Deputy Police Chief Paul Humphrey says even more were hurt, including officers. Eight that are now currently being treated at the University Hospital. Two are critical, one of those being the officer. Investigators say the shooter also died in a gunfight with police, but it's still unclear how he died. It's believed he was a former bank employee. Together, we will get through this together. Louisville Mayor Craig Greenberg offered condolences and praise for police. My prayers go out to the families who have lost loved ones today. My prayers go out to the officers who are at the hospital right now, and my thanks for all of them. CBS News Special Report. I'm Monica Ricks. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 1232. The markets are mixed. We're joined this afternoon by Gary Kolbaum, president of Kolbaum Capital Management based in Orlando, Florida. And Gary, it seems that the uncertain investor narrative continues over fear of recession. So let's pick your brain. Which camp are you in? Uh, I'm, I'm a tweener. Here, here's the good news. If I can uh, pick out uh, a bunch of sectors in the market right now, like the financials, economically sensitive, uh, and a bunch of other areas, I can tell you they're in brutal bear markets. But then I look at the major indices and they're acting okay. Uh, you know, nothing great. I mean, they, where they were nine months ago, but still off the lows uh, as we head into earnings seasons. My big worry is earnings have been terrible over the last few months. If they do not improve, we end up with a a market that's really high in valuations, and eventually they're going to come get it. Uh, But so far, it's hanging in there like a trooper. Well, and we've got a busy season of earnings this week, uh, specifically the the many big banks that are expected to report, I believe, uh, on Friday. So what are your thoughts on that and how that sort of weighs into where the economy is at? Well, on Friday, BlackRock, Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, PNC Bank, and Wells Fargo, and that just starts it off. Uh, we'll have thousands of more earnings reports in the next few weeks. Uh, bottom line is valuations are high. Earnings have not been great. If there's not an improvement, it leaves valuations on the high end, and eventually markets are going to see that. But again, so far, so good. Uh, the worry on the banks do, does continue in that. You know what just happened here. Our government had a backstop. Uh, depositors in order to stave off what could have been some more bank runs. I'm not sure if we're at the end of that yet, and hopefully, keep fingers crossed, we don't see another one because I'm not so sure 
a debt-laden economy like we have right now uh, will be able to withstand it. You mentioned, too, that it depends on where you're looking and which data you, you take a look at. It sort of paints a different picture of where we're standing and whether or not we're headed for a recession. But investors are also trying to now predict what is the Fed going to do? Has any of this information led to them perhaps even pressing pause on its rate hiking campaign? Or is this something that's going to persist? Uh, what do you think we can expect in the next move from the Fed to be? Well, uh, the Fed is a quiet big mouth. I don't know if that makes sense, uh, but they quietly telegraph to the, to the world what they're going to do. I think there's one more, and then they're done, and they're going to sit back and see uh, what, what's next. Uh, they don't really have to do too much right now. The real market's actually done it. Uh, they're going to be at 5% plus. The 10-year yield, which is tied to mortgages, quite the important, is down at 3.4%. So they're above the, the, the real world, and, and they actually can start easing if they want to. Uh, I, I, I'm not so sure they're going to because uh, they believe they got to fight inflation that, by the way, they created uh, more than anything else. And let's hope they don't go too far. If we're trying as an investor to sort of navigate the uh, turbulent waters here of, of investing, what sectors do you see as, as being undervalued right now? Uh, I'm not so sure about anything undervalued. Um, but I would probably state the re- a lot of regional banks are just on the fact they just crumbled. And I think they uh, threw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say, with the cliche. Uh, but I don't know if they're ready to be bought just yet. Uh, remember, markets are very emotional uh, and they will shoot first, ask questions later. Uh, and I'm not so sure we're out of the woods. But when all is said and done, if there are no more damage in these regional uh, banks and small banks, they are definitely on the undervalued side. Well, on the other side of that coin, are there sectors we should be avoiding like the plague? Uh, I just think uh, a lot of the technology stocks are still in the trees. Uh, they had brutal bear markets. They've rallied up some. Uh, some of the bigger names, like an NVIDIA, has a 50% drop in earnings the last two quarters. If the stock has been on fire because of artificial intelligence. If they have a couple of more quarters like that, I think the stock could get, uh, get clipped to 25% before you say boo. Uh, but that's uh, you know open uh, to what comes out in the next uh, few weeks. Thanks so much. Gary Kolpbaum, president of Kolpbaum Capital Management based in Orlando. You can find him online at GaryK.com. And up next, we're going to talk about becoming financially independent before saying I do. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. More adult children are being supported by their parents, and that can create a sticky situation when those children decide to get married. Let's get some insight from Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner and founder of Engage Wealth Group here in Chicago. Ed, this has become an increasing trend where we're seeing, uh, I'm going to call them young adults, adult children. They're, They're staying home. They're leaning more on more on mom and dad. But it does come to a point where at some point you got to make that that cut. Great point, Rachel. And again, when when our children become sort of disconnected, if you would, from the family financials, that that's what we're trying to hope for and guide towards. And so if, if a child can't stand on their own, much less, you know, once they've graduated or once they're out of the house, you know, it, it's hard to be expecting them to be fully uh, on their own when they're married. So obviously the goal is to get fully financially separated from parents, especially if you're willing to tie the knot. 
Well, let's talk about sort of the complications that can come from saying I do and still sort of having that uh, umbilical cord financially to mom and dad, because you're not only saying I do to your partner, you're also saying I do to financial responsibility, each other's debt, things like that. And so now you have this other player in the picture, and that is your parents. Excellent point, Rachel. And I think that's where some of the challenges would be. I mean, not only are you dealing with, as you had mentioned, with your child, you're dealing with your child's spouse. And so ultimately, there are so many psychological issues that kind of come along with us behavioral finance wise in terms of, hey, how come your parents are supporting one child or another over this or the spouse? And these are things that, again, these are direct communications to have with your client, to have with your children. Right, looking to make sure that you get your child to be financially independent is one of the goals prior to the I do's. And again, a simple spending plan. If your child is really struggling with spending, give them a spending plan, right? Income expenses and kind of have them balance it out. So again, you're not thinking you're supporting your child's lifestyle or the, the child and their new spouse. Right. And there's a difference, too. I think some parents can feel like it's a little harsh to, to sever those ties. But there's a difference between being a safety net for your child and being their financial provider. Great point. And we often look at this as a safety net versus a hammock, right? We want that to be a trampoline. We want those children, you know, they're going to need some support, find it, and then get them off again, the family dole. But if it's creating a hammock to meet their lifestyle, that's where a problem is. And for all your listeners, it's only going to get more complicated once grandchildren potentially come along. Yeah, it's then it's even harder to uh, to set those boundaries and say uh, and say, hey, because you've got a, a cute little face there to look at, too. Yeah. And again, for most of our clients and their grandkids, they'll spoil their grandchildren well above their children. So, again, for all of those parents who are listening, it's in your best interest to get your children to be financially independent before they get too far along in their path. And would it be, I'm guessing too, that that parents don't necessarily have to go this conversation alone, right? It could be as easy as sitting down with a CFP altogether and just coming up with a plan, a transition plan at that. That's an excellent point, Rachel. And we almost always put ourselves between our clients and their children. Because again, if the child is struggling with their own personal finances, having that guidance and having that expert be able to kind of help them through can be really helpful, especially from the parent's point of view, because then they're not delivering that harsh message potentially. That's where you can rely on a professional who's done this before to be able to guide those, uh, to guide all the different entities. And again, at the end of it, you can get some really positive outcomes. So great point, Rachel, in terms of seeking out a certified financial planner to help you along. Thanks so much. Ed Jertson, founder of Engage Wealth Group here in Chicago. The website, engagewealthgroup.com. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday. Plus, still to come, it's our Monday Stock Picker. We'll get some suggestions from an investing pro. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Stock Picker Monday, and joining us this afternoon with a pair of investment ideas is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com, based in Hammond, Indiana. Chuck, glad to have you with us. What's your first pick? Uh, The first pick is Clean Harbor is the name of the company. The symbol is CLH. Stock trades for $136 per share. It has a $7 billion market cap, so it's firmly in that mid-cap space. The company, as the name implies, is in the waste management business. It has two segments. They're environmental services, which is kind of your, your traditional waste management pickup, disposal, et cetera. And they also have a safety clean division, which focuses on kind of recycling uh, hazardous and non-hazardous materials. 
company has beaten earnings estimates in each of the last four quarters, and the earnings estimate trends have actually been moving higher in the last 60 days, which is something that a lot of companies can't say right now as you're seeing earnings trends downgraded for a lot of companies. Uh, the stock has pulled back from a recent breakout and is trading at about 19 times its 2023 earnings estimate. So I like the sector right now, particularly in this type of market environment. Uh, I like the earnings potential, and I like the valuation. So that's Clean Harbor. CLH is a symbol, and it trades for $136 per share. And your second pick? Second pick is Allison Transmissions. Symbol is ALSN. The stock trades for a, a shade under $44 per share down from its 52-week high of, of nearly $51 per share. So the stock has come off its high a bit. Uh, you get a 2%, <coughs> excuse me, a 2% dividend yield. Market cap is about $4 billion, so it's right around that small mid-cap area. The company sells automatic transmissions that are used in both defense vehicles as well as kind of medium to heavy-duty commercial vehicles. Uh, I like the space. I think the earnings are going to be higher in 2023 and 2024. Earnings estimate trends have been holding pretty steady. And as I said, uh, you get a decent dividend yield of about 2%. So that's Allison Transmissions, symbol ALSN, trades for about $44 a share. And in in full disclosure, our clients and our firm own both of these stocks. And again, just to recap, that would be Clean Harbors, the ticker CLH, and Allison Transmission Holdings, the ticker ALSN. Thank you again, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com, where you can see these two picks that were mentioned. You can also find past programs and later today, a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and on the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.